Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Good morning, church. How are you doing today? Woo, man, it is an exciting day at Faith Assembly Baptism Sunday, and uh, we're looking forward to what God's going to do. Come on, celebrating lives changed. Uh, we've been in this series called The Forgotten God, and you might be like, oh boy, you have multiple gods and you forgot one? No, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. You're like, Holy Spirit, a lot of us have a different understanding, a different church background, or have no idea who the Holy Spirit is. So we've been in this series called The Forgotten God, talking about uh, what we deem as the third person of the Trinity that a lot of times we don't like to talk about because we don't understand the complexity or lean in to the complexity of the Holy Spirit. So we call him the Forgotten God. He's picked this up through the eon through the century because a lot of times we talk about God the Father, God the Son, and we skip God the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about that, going through that. It started back in Easter. We gave a church-wide survey. We asked you through a list of teaching topics what you're interested about. The first one was how to share your faith. So we say, oh, duly noted, kind of shocking to be honest. But then the second one, maybe one or two surveys below that was the Holy Spirit. And so when I was praying about it and trying to think, hey, what do we need to do? What direction do we need to run with? And, and what topics should we preach about and teach about and discuss? It was, it was simple that if you want to be able to share your faith the way that God wants you to share your faith, the empowerment of your faith, if you desire that, then you need the Holy Spirit in your life. You need the Holy Spirit to empower you in your life. Because here's the thing, there's a certain limit that we can have and we can get to, but we can't go further unless we have the power of God in our life known as the Holy Spirit. So today I titled this message, A Baptized Life. We're going to be talking about three different baptisms that we find in Scripture. And we're going to be leaning into a baptism of, in the Holy Spirit. But before we dive into that, I want to challenge you with this, church. I want to encourage you. Don't shy away from the complexity of the Holy Spirit. Don't shy away to, from, because you don't know something, because you question something. I think a lot of times we don't discuss the Holy Spirit or God's Spirit in our lives because there's a lot of unknowns in this area. And you might be a first-time guest with us, and you're like, oh boy, what did I just walk into? All I have to say is buckle up, buttercup, because we're talking about Jesus and, and God and what He can do, and, uh, do and, and tremendously lead us through our lives. So I want to remind us a theme verse for our series is this, Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says this, the Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them, but we and our children, now if you're a parent in this place, I want you to highlight that, underline that, we and our children are accountable forever for all that has been revealed to us that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. 
So we understand and we see looking at scripture, looking and receiving and reading the Bible, there are sides, there are complexities to God that we do not understand on this side of eternity. And we have to be okay with that. But then there are sides to God that he's so relevantly revealed to us, painted and mapped it out for us, and that's what we're going to be held accountable for. So if you're a parent in this place, you better know there's going to be accountability to how you raise your kids, teaching them the faith, teaching them to love, trust, follow Jesus, making him the Lord and leader of your life. But then there's some of us in this place right now, and you've been kind of stuck at E and you've, you've been struggling through some things and, and you're like, man, like I, I just kind of put God in a box, put him on a shelf and, and call it what it is. And, and then I take, that shell, I take that box off the shelf and I go to church on a Sunday and, and God's got to fit in this perfect, neat place. And, and you kind of are just going through the motions. But really you're like, hey, God's not doing crazy things in my life. God's not doing supernatural works in my life. God's not really, uh, there's not a, a, a an energy, a spirit, a fire in life. There's not a desire, and, and you're kind of struggling and you're questioning things. Um, this past week, I uh, was watching the Netflix documentary series, uh, The Swamp Stories, talking about uh, University of Florida's golden years through like 05, 09. Any Gators fans in the house? Yeah, let's go, you know. Um, and it was interesting. It was fascinating. I, I love good sports documentaries. And uh, I'm watching this whole, st- uh, the, this whole thing play out in Urban Meyer. And, and he says this. He was like, I wanted our program to be known as the hardest program in America. Like that's like, you're coming to Florida, it's gonna be hard. You see guys like Tim Tebow who was there and and the way he would work out, like they would stress, they would work themselves, midnight workouts, it was always this push to the brink, it was this fire, it was this desire, it was this passion they had. And it was phenomenal and you're like, no wonder they were so good. Like these guys got it, these guys wanted it. And as a pastor, I start watching this and and I'm like, man, if, if these guys have so much passion and, and vibrancy over a sport like football, shouldn't we as followers of Jesus show, exhibit, have passion, have desire, have a flame, have a fire in our life because we have a different eternity that we're spending glory with Jesus Shouldn't we be wanting it just as much if more than these athletes playing a game of football and in life being like, whoo, we got to go get it because we need Jesus? Like church, we should be having that. Unfortunately, we don't always have it. Unfortunately, it's like, I just check the box on Sunday. I'll just read my YouVersion Bible app and Maybe get the list of the day or keep the street going. Fortunately, it's like, you know, we don't bring in the problems of the parking lot. We come in, we play the game at church, we leave, and, and we just kind of cash it in. See, church, if you want to be on fire, to make a difference in your community, to share the love of radical, the radical love of Jesus Christ, to impact lives, to live beyond your limits, then it starts with receiving, accepting, and and being empowered by God's Holy Spirit. He's not to be forgotten. 
He's to be needed. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, we see this. It says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and the Holy Spirit with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Church, there's some things we need to understand that this, is, this earth is the devil's playground, that there is things under oppression, bondage, brokenness, hurts, pains, financial turmoils. Like the devil likes to come into life, ruin it, clamp it down, tell you lies, cheat, deceive in your life. And the only way you break that bondage the only way we move past that, receive what God has in store for us, is by saying, hey, Lord, I got your Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm trusting your power of the Holy Spirit. And we get it. We understand this is an area that some of us have a lot of questions. That's why I challenge you, lean into the complexity. So we're going to be talking about three different baptisms. I want to talk briefly on the first two, and then we'll be talking about the third one. And you might be like, Pastor Blake, three baptisms? I only know of the water baptism. Bear with me. Hang with me. Let's talk about it, and let's try to uh, teach as best as we can in these areas that are some unknown. But I want to begin here with this. A baptized life is God's design for your life. A baptized life is God's design for your life. And I would like to even say that it becomes in a sequential format. That the first area we need to start here is when it comes to a baptized life is our, we are baptized at salvation. We call this the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's at the point of salvation. <clears throat> we see that many of us, we come from different backgrounds, we have a lot of questions, and, and right here, maybe you're in this place, and you're far from God. You don't know who Jesus is as your Lord and leader of your life. You have a lot of questions. You're like, hey, I'm here for baptisms because I got asked to come to a baptism, and it's like a monumental point in some of our kids' lives, and, and maybe people just showed up to, to talk and, and be a part, and, 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 and you see that. Here's what's happening. The Holy Spirit is working in your life. The Holy Spirit is leading you to meet Jesus. At the point of salvation, it's the Holy Spirit baptizing us into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, Paul puts it this way. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, and some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share that same spirit. So that means you and I, we have something in common. We have the Holy Spirit in common. We're brothers and sisters in Christ in common. When you receive Jesus as the Lord and leader of your life. When you say, Jesus, I'm proclaiming you. Jesus, I believe in the works on the cross. Jesus, when I, when I uh, uh, see and trust God's power and how he raised you from the grave and, and how you then give us your Holy Spirit to lead and guide and comfort and empower us. And it's by faith we are saved. That's the point of when in which the Holy Spirit baptizes you in the name of the body of Christ and, and Jesus. Romans 12 Four reads this, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, 
So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. So I want to be very clear on that. I want us to understand that this is the first step. A baptized left says, I'm going to receive Jesus as the Lord and leader. That's the Holy Spirit. Now, many of you have maybe made and declared Jesus as the Lord and leader of your life. That means you've understood that there's been some separation from you and God. That means understand that there's some, there's some sin in life that you've been convicted about, that you've been challenged with. That means there's some hang-ups, mess-ups, problems, perils, that you have a lot of big questions, but you recognize that you're in desperate need of a Savior. That's the Holy Spirit wooing, that's the Holy Spirit drawing, that's the Holy Spirit working in your life to receive Jesus as your Lord and leader. So first, we are baptized of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we are baptized to show that we are saved, to show that we are saved. We call this water baptism. Call this water baptism. Man, it's my favorite Sunday every time we have water baptism because it's time for people to show off their faith. It's time for people to say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I found my Lord and Savior. Now, I want to be very clear. Being dunked in water does not make you a new person. It does not change your hangups, your habits, what you're challenged with. Being dunked in water, being baptized in water shows that you believe in Jesus's work on the cross, that he's the Lord and leader of your life. You're showing Jesus off. That's what it means to be baptized in water. Just because you get baptized doesn't mean like everything's great or everything's perfect in life, that you have every answer, uh, you have every question answered. It's not what it means. It means that you're saying, hey, God, I'm making Jesus the Lord and leader of my life. Jesus, I'm trusting you. My son, Bodie, it's a big day in the, the Hanson household. Uh, Bodie is getting baptized. He's my seven-year-old. I'm like, whoo, yeah. Now let's hold, those, let's, let's hold those claps for when we all get baptized. And it's all a pastor, right? My son's seven. He's like, Dad, I want to get baptized. I'm like, oh boy, I'm going to put you through the ringer. You better know why you're getting baptized. So I'm peppering him all week. I'm like, Bo, do you want to get baptized? Well, tell me who Jesus is in your life. And he goes and gives me the explanation. I'm like, are you sure you want to be baptized? Why don't we hold off a little bit? You know, like, I'm, I'm like, I'm testing. He's seven years old. And, and he's like, no, Dad, like, I want to get baptized. He's been asking us for the past six months to a year, I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized. Pastor Brian, our, our children's pastor, brings in the kids. They watch them up there in the corner because we believe in baptism. We believe in the obedience of baptism. So Bodie's like, no, Dad, I want to get baptized. I'm like, oh, dude, I don't know. And, and finally, we're driving in a golf cart in Babcock Ranch because that's like what cool suburban dads do. And and as we're driving, and, and, and Bodhi's like, Dad, I'm, I'm going to be baptized, you know? And I'm like, why? Like, tell me why. Like, after a thousand asked questions, he goes, Dad, simply put, I want to make God my boss. And I'm like, did I like it? Childlike faith. We should have a little bit more of that. It was simple for him. He was like, dude, I want to just be obedient to God. That's what water baptism is. I think a lot of people who claim to follow Jesus but haven't been baptized are living with a curse in their life, are living with oppression in their life, are living at their limit in their life because they're not being obedient to God in their life and through their life. Jesus says, go 
and baptize. Go be baptized. Encounter me, receive me, be baptized of the Holy Spirit into me, and then go and be water baptized. Show off your faith. Show off your faith. Matthew 28, 19. Jesus put it this way. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Church, this is what we're about to do here at the end of this service. We're about to celebrate these lives change. These people making that first step, making that second, or making that step of obedience. And I want to challenge you. Maybe you're in here right now. And You claim that Jesus is the Lord and leader of your life, but you haven't been baptized. I would challenge you, encourage you. You need to do so. Because when you're not doing that, you're not living in obedience in your life. You're not following what was the great and clear direct command for Jesus' followers to experience. I don't say it lightly. I say it truth. I I say it from the full meaning that I have, like, hey, follow God's command and watch him do the unimaginable in your life, a baptized life. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5 reads this, what even though we are dead, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and he seated us with him at the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So when we talk about water baptism, this is what we're, uh, this is what we're symbolizing. This is what we're proclaiming. When they come, they, they sit in the, the tub, they're sitting there, they go down. They're dying to their old life. They're saying, I'm done living that old life. They come back up, I'm representing, I'm going to be a new person that's declaring publicly to my church, family, my love for Jesus. That's what baptism is. Out with the old, in with the new. Out with the old, in with the new. So that's why it's monumental when people over here and they're getting baptized like, man, I commend you for being obedient to God. I commend you for proclaiming that you love Jesus. Because here's the thing. This world needs people that love Jesus, that obey Jesus, that are following the steps that God's ordained and instructed. We don't need any more Christians up there that put God in a box, put him on a shelf, open him up on Sundays. We need people doing something, being obedient to God's call in your life. So I commend you for being baptized. And then we come into the third baptism of Scripture. I would suggest to you this is the most controversial baptism in Scripture. We are baptized to to receive supernatural power. Call this the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I get it. Some of us were a little confused. Maybe your church background is that which is different than us. And, and, you know, quite frankly, there's a more popular teaching where there's only two baptisms. But when we talk about receiving a supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're talking about this idea not to have supernatural powers where you can start seeing through walls, 
running like a speeding, uh, a speeding car. We're not talking about being able to fly. We're not talking about being able to predict the future. We're talking about God doing something uniquely more and empowering you to do something uniquely more in life. I mean like to have conversations in life that you never would have done. I'm talking about moving across the country, starting a job, being open and saying, God, I'm trusting you to lead my life every step of the way. When we say supernatural power, it's this emboldenment, it's this power, it's this strength that God gives us to do what we could not do on our own. Church, we need that in culture. We need that in society. We need people who are filled with the Holy Spirit who need to to represent Jesus in our communities. There's two big trains of thought when we come to the supernatural power, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The first one we call is a sensationist viewpoint. It's pulling out of 1 Corinthians 13 one of the main leading verses, who believes that the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, have ceased to what we call the apostolic age, the, basically the way, the, the time the disciples in Scripture lived. We find this in, in the book of Acts, where Acts is basically the only time the Holy Spirit gifts operate. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, says this, and this is this opinion, it says this, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So many sensationists believe that, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased to exist. But what Paul is addressing here is the spiritual abuse that's taking place in the church of, Cor- of Corinth. He's saying that people are, are using and, and, and manipulating God to do and, and to, to, to kind of manipulate and, and, and kind of hoodwink people and, and do different things in the church on, the name, on behalf of the name of God. And so Paul says, no, 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 no. He's talking about love. He's talking about the gift sets. He's talking about that the Holy Spirit is still operating, but it doesn't matter if you can possess all the gifts if you don't have love. Love conquers all. First Peter says love covers a multitude of sins. That we can have, let's contextualize it in our church. We can have all the bells and whistles in our kids. We can have great youth ministry. We can reach the poor. We can do all sorts of different things in life and quote unquote claim to be a great church. But if we do not love each other internally and externally, then we're missing it, church. What's God say? The two greatest commands. Jesus says this, love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. So when Paul's writing this and he's addressing, he's saying, hey, we can have everything. You can be this dynamic church over here. You can have some things going on, but no, what you need to make sure you have, love is greater than everything. The way Jesus has loved us, the way God's loved us, the way Jesus has given us his advocate, so I fundamentally, just clearly speaking and stating, I, I, I don't lean into this sensationist viewpoint. A lot of people land here because they try to explain God, and that's why I say there's things about God, there's sides of God we won't ever be able to understand. But yet in our humanity, we try to understand God. 
and we can't. You see a lot of highly intellectual people land here and say, oh, no, gifts don't exist today. Uh, the Holy Spirit's supernatural empowerment doesn't exist today. And I, I would say, friends, I just fundamentally don't agree with that. Which leads me to the second position when it comes to receiving a supernatural power of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is this, a continuous uh, thinking and, and viewpoint means that the Holy Spirit's gifts that once operated back in the apostolic age in the book of Acts, that the Holy Spirit's gifts still operate today, that people still can be healed, that people still can give words of prophecy, that people still can uh, see the miraculous, that miracles don't happen back then. Miracles happen now as well. I fundamentally believe that. In fact, I would even go as far as saying, if you do church studies and church analytics, you know, the, the churches that are growing are the churches that believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are still present today. Because right now there's something that's different, a supernatural empowerment we receive when the Holy Spirit is active and present in our life. I love this story by this man. His name is D.L. Moody. Uh, I kind of nerd out when I look at legends in the faith and I look at them through history. And D.L. Moody was an evangelist, pastor, preacher in the Chicagoland area. Um, and uh, it's fascinating, his story of what he went to do. Um, he, he is pastoring his church and his church is going all right. You know, they have a room full of people and these two ladies show up, elderly ladies show up and, and they start praying for D.L. Moody that he would experience the uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit. And uh, D.L. Moody was like, hey, thanks for the prayers. Like, you know, okay, that's, that's cool. Don't, don't really believe that. I believe, you know, like the works, the gifts were back then, not now. And, and these ladies coming from a free Methodist background, they start praying. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation when some of them saintly ladies pray for you. Woo, you know things are about to get turned upside down in your life. So he's praying. So before you know it, D.L. Moody starts craving. He wants to see the supernatural work. He wants to see the power of God's church like it was in the book of Acts. He starts yearning and desiring that. These ladies praying for him. And this is an account that we get from R.A. Torrey, one of D.L. Moody's friends. D.L. Moody's getting ready to uh, go minister over in England. And he's in New York at the time. And, and then he experiences the Holy Spirit that changed and took his ministry to a whole nother level. He was walking up Wall Street in New York, and in the midst of the bustle and the hurry of that city, his prayer was answered. The power of God fell upon him as he walked up the street, and he had to hurry off to a friend's house and ask that he might have a room all to himself. And in that room, he stayed for hours. And the Holy Spirit came upon him, his filling his soul with so much joy that at that last, he had to ask God to withhold his hand, lest he die on the spot from the very joy. He left for London and hundreds were added to the churches where he spoke. People study Dale Moody and they say this was the changing point in his ministry the indwelling, the Holy Spirit coming upon him. And I just challenge people. Maybe you're in here and you've been following Jesus for some time. And you're like, hey, I've, Pastor Blake, I've baptized by, of the Spirit and I'm baptized in water. And maybe you're sitting here like, I feel like I'm just going through the motions. I just ask you, be open to what God can do. 
Be open to saying, Holy Spirit, let me just pursue you. God, I need your supernatural work in my life. I think so many times we take a step back when it comes to uh, looking at the Holy Spirit and God because there's so much complexity in life. There's so much complexity surrounding the topic of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in my room, in my office, I should say, uh, there's, I, I counted by myself alone. I have 61 books on the Holy Spirit. And I'm talking like thick novels on the Holy Spirit. We're trying to talk about the Holy Spirit in three weeks. It doesn't really account to the incredible unknown realm of in which the Holy Spirit operates. So I want to also point you to this man by the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist Gets a pretty cool nickname. Why? Because he baptizes a lot of people for repentance sake. So in Matthew 3.11, we see this statement appear four times in Scripture. Matthew 3.11, we'll start here. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins, John the Baptist saying, and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And let me just put this in, in, in a frame where we understand. John the Baptist is saying he's not even worthy to touch Jesus' sandals. That's the lowest thing you can do in this century, to, to care for some. And John the Baptist is saying, I'm not even worthy to, worthy to touch his sandals. So how many of us know that if it appears... One time in the Bible, it's pretty important, right? If it appears two times, it's really important. Three times, extremely important. Four times, boy, you better never skip it, right? Well, we see this. Mark chapter 1, verse 8, statement recorded in the Gospels. It says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3, Dr. Luke puts it this way in verse 16. John answered the questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to be his slave and, and untie his straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, supernatural. John 1, I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So third baptism we see. Who is doing the baptism? Jesus. With whom is he baptizing us with? The Holy Spirit. So that's why I say, man, what God did then, God can do now. What God, how he worked, how he led, how he continues to lead us is how he will continue forward till he returns, Jesus returns for his church. Hebrews 13, 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same as yesterday, today, and forevermore. Our God does not want to be a confusing God to us. Even in Hebrews, they write about how receiving the Holy Spirit is elementary teaching. So church, I want to challenge you. Receive God's spirit. Don't be stuck on E. Acts 19, 1 through 2. I grew up in Sunday school, grew up going to church. And I always question this because people would skip over this pretty quick and, and have some thoughts about this and didn't really know. And there was so much complexity around it, they wouldn't address this. So I decided with today to address it. 
Acts 19, 1 through 2, it says this, while Paulus was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. And this is the question he asked. He says this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they believe in Jesus. Now Paul's following up, do you have the Holy Spirit? He asked them, no, they replied, we haven't even heard there is the Holy Spirit. I think one of the greatest mistakes that we can make as a modern church trying to fit in with the culture, trying to fit in with the society, trying to make it easy for people to come to is not addressing the work of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You want to know how to live different? Call on God's Spirit in your life. You want to know how to take a stand when people are coming at you? Call on God's Spirit in your life. You want to know how you can operate, live, lead, and do what God's called you to do? Call on the Holy Spirit in your life. In Acts chapter 1, 8, theme verse of Acts, we see this. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When you look at the first century church, how are these individuals who never met Jesus at times able to give up their life for Jesus? Because they had the Holy Spirit as a resident in their life. So church, maybe you're in here right now and you're just kind of going through the motions. Lean into the unknown. Say, God, I need your supernatural work in my life. I'm going to wrap up with a story. Um, we have, if you're ready to get baptized, we're going to encourage you, join us behind the curtains, and we'll get lined up in here in just a moment. But I'll share this story, because right there, when I talked about sensationist versus continuist uh, viewpoints, thinking of the supernatural work, we are a church that believes that the Holy Spirit's gifts are still present today. Like, you ask me, I pray in the Spirit, I, I call on God. People are like, hey, that's a little weird. I'm like, yeah, you're right, it's weird. I'm cool with being weird, man. Like, it is what it is. There's something different in my life. There's a reason I've moved across the country to land here in, in a way that I never would have imagined except for the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Some of you know that story, but I want to start here um, because I had four divine encounters where I believe that God has done something. Now, continuous get this thought, and they, they get this rap that, oh, you lean it on to experience, and you overlook God's word. I'm saying, no, 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 I'm saying it's both and, that any experience you have needs to line up with God's word. Understand that. There's no, oh, I had this experience, and so then I can just circumvent the word. That's when we start calling, that's a cult, and that's wrong, and that's what we don't believe in. So this one time, I'm a skeptic. I'm critical. I'm, I'm like, no way, like the Holy Spirit doesn't really work. I'm in college. I attended a Bible college, always had a, a good, solid upbringing. Uh, my father's in the house right now, and uh, I, I give him, like for me, I always joke around. It wasn't the fear of the Lord uh, that, you know, made me stay on the straight and narrow. It was the fear of the father, uh, like my father. And so I was, a, I was a skeptic when it came to uh, God's supernatural work. Like some of you are being very skeptical in your mind. I'm like, yeah, baby, because I was you. So I'm in Bible college, um, and I share the story. I know we're kind of pressed for time, but um, I'm in Bible college. My father is a legend basketball coach where I'm from. 
uh, Springfield, Missouri. Like I couldn't go throughout the streets of Springfield without someone being like, hey, you're Hanson's kid. I'm like, yeah, tell me about it. You know, like just was like that. And, uh, you know, I look back and I'm grateful for uh, his influence in my life. Uh, But he's at this point when I started going to college, freshman year, he's on like a 22 like season win streak of 20 games are over. He loses that streak my first year of playing for him. First semester, we are 3 and 15. That means three losses, no, three wins, 15 losses. To say it was a terrible year within our house was a terrible year within our house. The first semester was awful. I had other friends playing on the team, and we're supposed to be good, and we're playing at a small Bible college, and we're awful, and it's terrible. It felt like we were throwing up every practice because we're running so hard. It felt like I couldn't hang out outside because my legs were hurting. I wasn't sure I could get back to the dorm room. Like, like it was brutal, so I wanted to quit. So I start looking, and I don't even know if my father knows of this story because I don't think he was in chapel this one particular day because he was a professor, and, and so we were sitting there, um, in chapel, I do whatever great soon-to-be preacher does. I'm sleeping during a chapel service. Like, God's going to show up. And it's second semester, and uh, as I'm, I'm sleeping there, there's this missionary. Uh, at this time, like, I've probably already searched the internet. Hey, what school can I go to? Play ball, play baseball, pick something else back up. And as I'm going through this process, um, this missionary up here is speaking in our chapel service. About 500 kids in the, in the chapel. And, and I'm like, oh, great mission. That means I can get a good nap in, you know, like, and I can get to lunch and everything will be okay. And, and in that realm, just really just, I was arrogant and like, God can't do anything. Like, like look where God's led me. Like, I'm not going to be a pastor. Now I'm a pastor. It tells you how, who won that battle. I was having some Jonah moments. So second semester comes around, first week of school, classes back in, that means chapels, reconvene, I'm sleeping, missionary gets up, and the missionary goes, uh, I just need to pause, like halfway through, maybe three quarters of his message through, and he goes, I feel like the Holy Spirit's talking to me. And we're like, okay, where's this guy going? I mean, I'm sleeping. And he goes, there's someone in this that needs to get their life right with God. So like, we're like, yeah, there's like 500 of us that probably need to get our life right with God. And he, go, and he goes, no, and they play on the basketball team. So instantly everybody in the chapel's like, say what? So they look at all like the rebellious kids who are playing basketball, like the whole eyes. And he go, goes on with his message and he goes, and he goes actually, he, he's related to the coach. So like 500 eyes come and look at me and you're like being called out, laundry being called out. You're not living for Jesus. So my, my roommate, long skinny kid, leans over, punches me, and wakes me up. He's like, bro, he's talking about you. I'm like, amen, hallelujah, you know, like, like, you know, that's just a natural response of the Bible college kid. And he goes, no, bro, he's talking about you. And the missionary continues and says some things only I would know. And at that moment, like, I never have experienced, like, what you would say, like, from old school, Holy Spirit goosebumps. God started like doing something, sweating, and he looks at me, he's like, you need to get to the altar. And I remember I would go on the altar, first time I ever skipped lunch, being at Bible college, radically changed my life. I remember being on there like, God, just take me. Just do whatever you got to do in my life. 
now being here, if I didn't give God a shot, I wouldn't be here today. I was a skeptic of his spirit. I was a skeptic of his work. And he took me on a journey that only God can take people on. So no matter where you're at, if you have a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you, get baptized if you haven't. If you've been baptized, call on God's Spirit. Let God's Spirit do something in your life. And maybe you're there. Keep pursuing God. So church, this is what's going to happen. We're going to celebrate this life change. It's going to be good. They're lining up. They're ready. We're going to open this up. Service time has come to an end, but I'm going to ask you, we're a church family. We understand if some of you have to get out of here. But I'm going to ask you this. Stay and let's celebrate these individuals. Let's cheer loud. They're showing off their faith. Right? There we go. But it's appropriate for us to just understand this. If you're in here, I just feel like Holy Spirit lead us. If you're in here and you need to commit your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you, fill out a communication card. We have our baptismal team that will be down here. Stay after. We want to talk about that with you. We, I want to talk about that with you. We want to lead you and, and meet Jesus in a very real way. Because it's where eternity is rewritten right here. Lord Jesus, take our lives. So today, as we celebrate these individuals who are proclaiming Jesus as the leader of their life, we're going to yell. We're going to say, yeah, somebody, let's go. Because our God is good. He's the same as he was yesterday, today, and forevermore. We celebrate that today, church, right? We celebrate Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.